Welcome to session number five in our series entitled Something New. I am so happy to have Sarah joining me for this session. And Sarah is a huge part of our Bridge Women team. She works really closely with me and she's got two little ones in elementary school, not exactly so little anymore. One's about to go into junior high. So busy mama with a full plate. Thanks so much for joining me for this session. Thanks for having me. Of course. And if you have been following along with us in this series, you know that we've been talking about the fact that God continually wants us to be moving forward. He doesn't want us ever getting stuck or stagnant in life. He wants us growing and experiencing new things with him all the time. He wants to do new things in and through us all the time. So in this series, we are looking at women in the Bible who stepped into new places, and we are learning how they did it. We're learning lessons that we can all apply to our lives today. And so in this session, we are going to be talking about the woman with the issue of blood. Now, her story is a really short one in the Bible. We don't even know her name, but her story is also a very powerful one. And I love Mark's account of her story because he gives us the most detail in Mark chapter 5, and her story is in verses 25 through 34. And you know, I think we could paint a headline over her story to say she went from a place of sickness hopelessness and shame to a place of health, wholeness, and peace. And I want us to see today how she did it. So we are going to start by looking at where she was, where her story starts, okay? And she, the Bible tells us, suffered from an incurable sickness for 12 years, 12 years, and the sickness caused her to continually hemorrhage. And it says that she tried so many treatments from so many doctors, and she spent every penny that she had trying to find a cure. But with each new doctor, with every penny spent, she only got worse. I mean, imagine, put yourself in her shoes, She would have been desperate 12 years. She would have been hopeless. And she would have been physically weak. And you know how it is when you're physically sick and feeling physically weak. It affects you in every way. It affects you mentally. Like It's hard to concentrate on doing anything. It affects you emotionally. It affects you in every way. Here she is 12 years without peace, without rest, And according to the customs of the day, she would have been considered unclean and disqualified from mixing with crowds. People would have not wanted her around. And so not only would she have been really lonely, but she also would have been shunned by people. It would have been considered shameful for her to be out in public. That's where she was sick, hopeless, and living under a cloud of shame. But now I want us to fast forward and see where she moved to. 
Let's look at Mark chapter 5 and verse 29. And it says, Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of affliction. When it says fountain in this verse, it literally is talking about the source of her sickness. The source of her sickness was healed. She felt different in her body. She knew she was healed. And then later in the story, it tells us that she received peace. She didn't have to worry anymore about what anybody thought about her. She didn't have to live under a cloud of shame any longer. She was made whole in every way. What a difference. What a miracle. How did she get there? How did she go from this place of sickness and hopelessness and despair to this place of total healing and wholeness? I think the keys are found in this same chapter, verses 27 and 28, when it says, When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. It says when she heard, when she heard about Jesus, she would have heard the people in the streets talking, saying, here comes Jesus. Jesus, the one who's been healing people, the one who's been delivering people, casting out demons. She heard about Jesus. And when she heard about him, faith rose up in her. Faith came alive in her. And that faith produced a determination to put action to her faith. And all of a sudden, she didn't care what anyone thought about her, what anyone said about her. She ignored their comments. She ignored their sneers, their dirty looks. She didn't care how weak she felt. I mean, think about it. The streets are mobbed with people. It would have taken physical effort to push her way through the crowd. Let me through, let me through. I mean, that would have taken some physical effort, and she's incredibly weak. But she was willing to do that. She found the strength. She didn't care that the disciples and the people close to Jesus probably would have tried to push her away if they saw this unclean woman coming towards Jesus. Nothing was going to stop her. She was so determined. She had great faith. And she didn't need Jesus' full attention. She didn't need him to touch her. She wasn't trying to get him to turn around and notice her and engage in a conversation with her. We just read it in verse 28 when she said, If I can just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. She knew all she needed to do was to touch his clothing and she would receive his healing power. Her alive, active faith changed everything. There is so much power in that. So let's talk about how we can apply that to our lives. Let me ask you, is there anything you've been suffering from for too long? could be something physical. It could be mental torment or emotional turmoil 
or something spiritual or maybe a, a lifestyle or habits that have had a grip on you that you haven't been able to break free from. Maybe you have felt weak, wrung out, worn down as a result. I want to tell you today, do not give up. Maybe there's something you are believing God for today. Do not give up. You see, her faith came alive when she heard about Jesus. And in Romans 10, in verse 17, it tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Maybe today you need faith to come alive in you. Maybe you have felt a little bit uh, sluggish, maybe, in your faith. I want to encourage you to open your Bible. Start reading all about the miracles of Jesus in the Gospels. See everything that he did for everyone who came to him. And then remember that in Acts 10, it tells us that God is no respecter of persons. What he did for those people in the Bible, what he's done for people around you, he will do for you. He is not just a miracle worker for other people. He is a miracle worker for you. Ask God as you read his word to help you and allow faith to come alive in you. And then put action to your faith. Some people might hear that and say, well, isn't that like getting into works, putting action to our faith? No, not at all. In James chapter 2, it tells us that faith without works is dead. You see, we don't do works for the sake of works, to get God's approval. But when we have faith, it produces works. James said, I'll show you my faith by my works. Actions are evidence of our faith. And in James chapter 2, I believe it's verse 20, it tells us that faith without works is dead. We need to follow this woman's example and be determined and put action to our faith just like she did. Don't give up. Mark 9 and verse 23 tells us that all things are possible to those who believe. When we allow faith to come alive in us, God responds to that. And it opens the door for him to do the miraculous in our lives. Now, Sarah, I know that you have had many opportunities in your life to to stand in faith and and you've had to like trust God with different things and and you've shared with us before about your son Owen who is now 9 and and how he was diagnosed with over 41 different allergies. Yeah. And when you got that diagnosis it caused you to realize you needed to grow in your faith so you could really stand in faith for him. So tell us, how did you grow in faith? How did you allow faith to become alive in you? Yeah, I think that was a great question that I had to ask myself. How, how do I do this? And much like this woman with the issue of blood, I had to go to Jesus 
and look at what he was doing and look at how he healed people and um, what he says in his word that he wants to do. Because he's the same today as he was then. Yes. Um, so I started getting into scripture and looking at those stories in the Gospels of where he was healing people. And, um, you know, I was actually really hard-pressed to find an example where he would deny anyone healing. Right. And that really built my faith. Um, but there was one story that I read that really just grabbed my heart. And it was in Mark 9. And it was a story of this father who had a child that was demon-possessed. And um, this child was very sick because of that. And his life was at risk because of that demon possession. And so this father comes to Jesus and he said, Jesus, if you're willing, will you heal my child? Now, that was my prayer. You know, I was praying, Jesus, if you're willing, will you heal my child? And um, so that really resonated with me. But I love what Jesus said back to him and he said it's not if I'm willing it's do you believe mm-hmm. and the yeah. father looked at him and said Lord I believe but help my unbelief yeah wow like what an honest prayer what what a raw real thing yeah to bring to Jesus and I knew that's what I had to pray Lord I believe you can do this but help my unbelief And as I began to walk that out with him, as I let him help me with my unbelief, I was encouraged to dig in, find more verses, more stories, more promises. There are promises woven all throughout scripture about healing and what God wants to do and is ready to do. You know, I didn't realize that healing was paid for in Jesus' atonement for our sin on the cross. I didn't understand that. But Isaiah 53 showed me that. Psalm 103 says, I can bless the Lord. I can praise the Lord because I know the benefits of being his child. And one of those benefits is he heals all our diseases. And then in Ephesians 3.20, it says that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so those promises, finding what God says in his word, that's what built my faith. Yes. Awesome. I love that. And I was able to... (laughs) to witness that firsthand with you and see faith come alive in you. And it was so exciting. But it's not a one-time thing. Then we have to keep our faith alive. So how do you keep your faith alive? Yeah, I mean, we're still in this and we're still believing. So it is a process day-to-day of trusting God and believing God. And, you know, there was a scripture that I came across and it just grabbed my heart. And it was Psalm 27, 13, and 14. And it says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait and hope and expect the Lord. Be brave and of good courage and let your heart be stout and enduring. Yes, wait for and hope for and expect the Lord. Yes. And I love that verse. Because I do too. It's a call to action. Waiting isn't this passive thing where you just sit back and do nothing. You're looking to God every day. You're taking his word and his promises and you're holding on to him. And when those thoughts of doubt and worry and fear come your way, you say, yeah. okay, this doesn't line up with what God says. So it's got to go because I'm going to believe what God says. And yes. those bad reports from the doctors or blood work or, you know, a tough day where you went to a birthday party and you couldn't have the snack, you know, whatever that is. Okay. But it's going to pass because I believe what God said. Yes. Awesome. Love that. We do have to continually keep 
our faith alive. Yeah. Uh, it just it doesn't happen just automatically by itself. Right. So now I know that not only do you keep your faith alive, but you put action to your faith. So share with us a little bit about how you do that. Yeah, I think a lot of it is just in the day-to-day activities. I mean, before I was isolated, I didn't want to have meals with anyone outside my home. We could not go to a family member's house or a friend's house for dinner. Um, But, you know, I've learned to trust God through this process of you know, finding his promises and all that, yeah, you can go have dinner at a friend's house. I mean, what about school? Like sending your baby to school for the first time, knowing there are going to be snacks and food and and yeah. crafts and all these things where he could have a reaction to and just wondering, well, does his teacher really understand how to use that medication? Is she willing to use that medication? Yeah. Those were very real questions that we had to ask, but I trust God every day when he hops out of the car and goes to school. And, okay, God, I love him, but you love him more. And I know you've got him. Yeah, awesome. So really taking steps of faith caused you to push through fear. Absolutely. One day at a time, one decision at a time, letting him go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like Amber said a couple weeks ago, Yeah. do it afraid. Yeah. So I had to, okay, God, I'm going to do this because I trust you. Yeah, awesome. And God responds to faith and when we put action to our faith like that. And you have seen God respond in Owen's life. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) We really, really have. You know, he had 41 different allergies. 18 of those were life-threatening food allergies. And he has had healing in all of them except for one. There's one left. We're believing for a miracle there, too. And we just know God's got a great future for him. Yes, he does. And we are standing in faith, believing with you that that one remaining one is going to go as well. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's been really awesome to uh, just kind of come alongside and to watch you walk through that journey and see God respond to your faith. God responds to our faith. It's not just, oh, in the Bible, God responded to people's faith. Today, God responds to our faith. God has responded to your faith. And I want to just go back to our, our story of the woman with the issue of blood for a moment and just see how Jesus responded. Jesus immediately knew that someone's faith had drawn power out of him. You see, faith gets his attention. He asked, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? And I love the disciples' response. They're like, "Uh, hello, Jesus, are you kidding? What do you mean, who touched you? Do you see the mob of people? Everyone's pressed up against each other. I mean, what are you thinking? Everyone's touching you. And then Jesus is like, no, 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 this is different. And he looked around and he saw her. And it says that she fell at his feet and she told him everything. And then he said to her, your faith has made you well. And that word well, it literally means to restore health, to rescue from danger and destruction and to save from judgment for sin and to bring into right standing with God. So much more than just physical healing. And then Jesus said to her, go in peace. He was literally saying, you don't have to be afraid anymore. You don't have to worry. You don't have to live under a cloud of shame. He's saying, have rest for your soul. 
And I believe there is someone watching this video right now that you desperately need rest for your soul. And Jesus wants you to know that he provides that for you. He longs to give that to you. He's just looking to you to come to him. Come to him in faith. Ask him to help your unbelief. Come to him and he will give you rest for your soul. The last thing that he said to the woman with the issue of blood is he said, be healed from your affliction. And what he was really saying was, be whole in every way without any further suffering. I want to tell you today, whether you have been suffering with something for a long time or just believing God for something today, God always responds to active faith. If you want to see God do something new in your life, let faith arise. Let faith come to life and let it produce determination and action. No matter how long it takes, do not give up. I love the verse you referred to earlier, and I want to just quote it one more time because it is something we all need to cling to. In Psalm 27, verse 14, it says, Wait, hope for, expect the Lord, be brave and of good courage. Let your heart be stout and enduring. Yes, wait, hope for, and expect the Lord. Whatever you're waiting for, don't give I want to pray for you today. Father, I just thank you for every woman watching this video. And God, I ask right now that you would help us to be women who would allow faith to come alive in our lives. God, that we wouldn't get complacent in our faith. God, I pray that we would stay in your word, that we would remind ourselves of your power and the miraculous things you've done and that you want to do those things in our lives too. God, help us to keep faith alive. And Father, I pray that it would be faith that would propel us into action, to taking steps of faith every day, whether it's pushing through fear or whatever comes our way. God, I pray that we'd be women who are so determined not to let anything stand in the way of stepping into the new things, everything that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I want to give you some discussion questions to talk about in your group, okay? First of all, how would you describe the current level of your faith? All right? Maybe it's gotten a little stale or stagnant. It's okay to admit that. Talk about that in your group, okay? And number two, what are you doing to keep your faith alive? And number three, how can you put action to your faith? All right, and then this week, I want to encourage you to dig into God's word and find some of the miracles of Jesus in the Gospels. See how he responded to faith and let your faith be encouraged. 
All right, can't wait to see you back for our next session of Something New.